So James, new year? New you? Yes. Or is it, is it same you? Uh, depends on your perspective. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Shiva Theseus kind of mm, thing. Yes, I like that. Absolutely. Is it the same? Is it different? Google it. Ship of Theseus. Interesting stuff. There's a talking point to get us going. Wow. Oh, really? Philosophy yeah. pod. Yeah, it's a bit heavy for it straight away, but yeah. I mean, aren't we all ships of Theseus in a way? Are we not all ships of Theseus passing mm. in the night? <laughs> loaded with cargo. Burdened. Weighed some down. more loaded than others. Oh, for sure. And some with, yeah, weight to lose. How was your Christmas New Year? I had nothing. It was very good for me. Oh, good. It, it suits me. Um, I, I'm, I, zero stress. I'll, I'll do little fake, but not really fake, because dates aren't real anyway. Christmas gatherings with whoever wants them over the next like time is a construct until they're fed up of pretending it's still Christmas in their opinion. Even though for me, it's just like whenever you want to do it, let's go. Well, your gimmick for a long time at like family slash cousin meetups was to bring a chocolate Santa regardless of the time of year. Yeah, yeah. So, I, had a st- I had an access. I knew where to find them. <laughs> just bring that back. Yeah. That was funny. I feel like the only time to bring a chocolate Santa is when it's not Christmas. <laughs> it's just funnier that way. It, 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 well, it is. And it was a joke that perhaps ran its course considering that, you know, maybe in your 30s it's less entertaining than when you were 21. Well, I think you don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have to do it any, every time anymore. I guess when I was in my early 20s, I was still looking for an identity. And a part of that was like, oh, here's a funny joke. And I'll just do this all the time. Okay. Fair and, enough. And now it's like, if I ever feel like, hey, it's, it's the time, it's been a while, they, they maybe won't be expecting it. Whap out the chocolate Santa. There are worse things to whap out. There are. I tell you what, though. I said that very excitedly. My my uh, Christmas Don't whap New Year. Those ones out. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, that's my New Year's resolution. Anyway, my Christmas New Year was good. We got through it unscathed. Yes. And Graham met Dad. Yes. On Christmas Day. Wonderful. Well done. So if you recall, if you cast your mind back to um, Pandemic Pod. And I predicted it was going to be 2023. I was only a week off. so A week off well in done. the pandemic? We did it. Wow. No, a week off the 2023 prediction. We, we oh, met gotcha. December 25th, was... 2022. So I was way off. I'm glad. I'm really glad because it was surrounded by family and friends and good chat, good times, good food. He set up a salon in Kenneth's house. Oh. It was it was great. And suddenly we're now thinking, well, actually, you know what? Maybe maybe this whole like freelance hairstylist thing could work. It could. Uh, not right now, no, of, of course. Once there's like less risk. Yeah. Well, but, but also it means that one of our rooms in our house has to have like a sink and a full length mirror, which actually is, I suppose there's, um, there are worse things to have, worse things to turn uh, you know, I rooms into. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would, and, and not the bathroom, basically. Well, precisely, yeah. yeah. I, the last thing I really want is random strangers <laughs> bending over our bath with dripping purple hair. So Exactly. We'll see. The, Watch this until space. Until the purple hair, I was like, oh, what's wrong with that? But yeah, the purple hair, that would be the deal breaker. <laughs> yeah, unless, of course, I mean, it's far too early to tell, but that was a good way of distracting and keeping people occupied. That was smart, indeed. It, it was. good to have a thing to focus on. And we uh, then went up north to see the sights of Caithness, and it was lovely. It was really lovely. Apart from the fact that, you know, the house was... It, it took about 12 hours to properly uh, defrost once we arrived, being an old yeah. 1960s build. Yeah. But it was, it was good. But then by the time we came back down to Glasgow, we were 
totally socialized out. And so our right, Hogmanay crash, yeah. was very quiet. We just ended up playing Tekken and drinking and watching the fireworks from inside. Who won the last game of 2022? Oh, he did, obviously. I'm, I am really poor at vi- <laughs> video games. This is an established <laughs> he, he, he fact. You might have just like put it all together for one last round finally figured out the button presses to do. And then it's been an eventful uh, first 12 days of the new year because I actually have made resolutions. Okay. And and gotten new ink already. Two new new ink things on my body. So resolution number one. Yeah, okay. This is what I was going to ask. These are related. Resolutions and inks. They are absolutely not related, but they're just things that have happened in the first two weeks. So. Okay. Resolution number one. Sugary cereal. See you later. <gasps> I've done it. I've kicked the habit. Cocoa Pops no more? So every day now, every day, I am having porridge. And it's been great. Porridge is tasty. Have you put I like sh- it. Are you putting sugar in the porridge? Cinnamon and honey. That's where we started. Okay, honey counts, but right, not too much. Right, okay, it's not just jam or Nutella. It's something not as so sugary, honey, I think. It sounds healthier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the unrelated ink, I went down to Worcester. Which turns out, Worcester folks, is a long way away. Oh, wow! To get a tattoo from a guy who it turned out is from Dornoch. It was very bizarre. Okay, which is a which is a different direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we had good we had good chats, and I wanted to get a tattoo from this guy for a long time. Okay, and so I sat with him for eight hours. Wow! And he did a lovely tattoo. And if you would like to see it, then. Uh, just ask, or I will post it on I my Instagram ask. very shortly. I ask. Okay, I will send you a picture. It's lovely. I am a big fan. Cool. And then I did a very silly thing. Okay. Because... Did you do the tattoo yourself? No, but... Could have been like, more silly. Like the opposite. I'll get to... Okay. Just, just a second, right. So, on the Friday, he uh, laced and covered the arm with second skin. Yes. Which is... Like an adhesive, sticky film, film for humans that they put over the tattoo. Right, like sticky cling film that is going to stay there, it's going to protect the tattoo, and then after three, four, five days, you take it off, and the tattoo is basically healed. Uh-huh. So, I, I was, it stuck on my arm. Yeah. And then I continued living life, and then this week, I went to Cambridge for work, which was interesting. How is Never it? Never been to Cambridge before. It was a place I have been to. Excellent. Very memorable. <laughs> I felt more intelligent just being there. Oh, don't oh, don't, don't say that. Don't, why? It's got the most prestigious university in the world there. Yeah, and... Or one all, of. All the most embarrassing societies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid point. Anyway, we uh, got to, to Cambridge. We were there for a couple of days. Uh, enjoyed the work, and then we were in the Premier Inn on the, on the Tuesday night. Okay. Into the Wednesday morning. Yes. Five in the morning, uh-huh. I wake up. And the second skin that was on my arm is now like half off my arm because I must have been sleeping on it funny. And after four or five days, wear and tear, it's starting to it's lose its t- stickiness. It's time. Right. It's, it's, it's sunburn peeling time. And despite the fact that I don't have really anything to wash it with because I don't want to use the Premier Inn's toxic shower gel. <laughs> is that how they market it? Yeah, that's what it's called. I try my best to get it off. I get all the seconds get off, but the one thing I'm unable to get off is the glue. Some of the glue is still stuck to my skin. I can understand why that wouldn't come off with like just water. No, it needed. It needed. It's like it's like if you've got really oily or muddy hands, water is not going to shift all of it. Yeah, you need some some cleanser, soap, something. It's soap. That's another word for it. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I put on the shirt for work, and I can feel it's like a liquid or a or a bar form. I t- I look, body I tr- cleansing I looked material. For stuff. And no, and I didn't want to use the Premier Inn stuff because I didn't know if it was going to damage the tattoo. You're told... Well, it's Cambridge Premier Inn stuff. It would swell the size of your mind. Scented stuff on your tattoo if it's new. So I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. put on the shirt. Actually wise. And part of the fabric I could feel was sticking to the tattoo. And I thought, okay, that's bad. I really don't want to have a shirt-attached tattoo. And so got to this uh, the place we were working. And within half an hour, I had uh, sought permission, and I rolled up my sleeves, and I let the tattoo breathe, and that was fine uh-huh. because everyone was like, "Oh, that's a nice tattoo." And I said, "Thank you." But you're but you're still gluey. I'm still gluey. This is the problem. This is the important thing. Okay. Then the day's finished. Right. We go to Stansted Airport. Yes. And it's very cold outside, so I've put my jacket on, and this is a waterproof, fluffy jacket. And I slip my arms inside. Oh, fluffy. And I instantly realize slash forget, oh, wait, my arm's sticky. And the jacket internally sticks to my arm. Mm-hmm. And here is where it all went wrong. Because I got to security in Stansted. Jacket off. And they say, wallet's out, phone's out, jacket's off. And because I've been wearing this jacket for about an hour, uh-huh. I have completely forgotten that it is stuck to my arm. Uh-huh. And I rip the jacket off. Oh no! And some of the skin comes with it. Some of the, oh dear. Right. So instantly I go ah ah because I realise number one that was really sore. Then number two oh painful. That's some black skin attached to my jacket. Oh great! Let's look at my tattoo. Oh, that looks slightly different to oh, how it looked patchy, ten no? minutes ago. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then spent the rest of the journey home in a t-shirt, despite the fact it was three degrees yesterday, because I was so right. petrified of putting the jacket back on. So I froze to death on the way home. And th- I think, I and think the tattoo is okay. I think it just ripped off like the top five layers of skin. Well... And you, didn't get right down. Um, it didn't get right down to like the subcutaneous level. I exactly. think. Yeah, that that tattoos work because they are further down than the the top layers of skin. You definitely did not rip off the top five. You'd be able to tell because you'd be infected by now. Uh, I think we okay. don't. We've got like what eight? I don't know. But yeah, like the, the top oh. layers, they they'll look like you've torn your tattoo off. But it just you'll just maybe get like a something that needs extra healing time. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. Okay, but I'd be very surprised if you managed to rip out. A tattoo. I, well, so would I, but you know what your mind goes through, especially after the money With I paid. fluffy jacket. Of like, this is a disaster. I've ruined my tattoo. And then if, I washed it all off. I came home last night, used soap, and got all the glue off, and it looks it looks nice. It looks nice and fresh. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to keep an eye on it, James. If it was that easy to get rid of tattoos, then people wouldn't have such long regrets. <laughs> that is, that's very true. They would just cover their arms in glue, put on a jacket, and voila. Job done. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Seesaw Tattoo. You said you got two inks. Am I missing something Oh, yeah, something other here? ones on my leg, but I'm getting that finished on Saturday. So yeah, it's like one and a half so far. Ha- have you got like a goal for how many you're getting this year? Well, and is it <laughs> one per six days? <laughs> well, uh, that would be great, but I would run out of money very quickly. So no, this will be the last one I currently have planned, but there may well be more uh-huh. I get. So okay. watch this space. Well, whatever empty space is left on my Specifically, leg. Specifically, watch the spaces that remain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Anyway, welcome to the show, Seats Operate. James, I am currently scrolling for a picture of this tattoo on my phone, which I'm going to send to you. Uh-huh. But I got a new phone as well. That also happened in the first what? 12 days of the year. Oh, here we go. And uh, so I'm currently using a Samsung. I decided that the Chinese government were um, snooping too much. There we go. I've sent you a picture of the, of the tattoo. That is my actual arm and the actual tattoo, how it looks. It's a very nice tattoo. Isn't it pretty? Very pretty. Right, isn't it? So the bit I ripped off was like the bit of the puffin that's the darkest. And I initially looked well, at you know what? I initially looked at it and thought, well, that kind of works. It's like feathers, right? <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that, you know, it's remained. It has remained. It it has. Yeah. So I am I'm very pleased with it. Anyway, thank you very much for listening and coming back to uh, stories of our uh, trauma, be they our... skin related or Family related. I mean, I've done nothing. Uh, I'm Colin and he's James. Let me tell you what, by the end of this month, uh, mortgage attempt two is a done. Hey! Hopefully. Well, good. According to the solicitor. <laughs> well, I will wait with bated breath because yeah. solicitors can be wrong. Saying it out loud. I am cursing it out loud. I know this. Yeah, I know. We're testing the universe. Well, thank you very much. To everybody who is uh, listening once again, welcome back to another year of Cease Operate. I believe this is year seven, which is frightening. If it was a child, it's gotten just past the really annoying stage <laughs> and into the point where sometimes they say things that are profound, but completely by accident. R- right. And on that on that note, a good segue, we did have a comment over the year, over the, the course of the new year, which was, I would love to hear James's definition of bigoted because he uses it constantly. And seems to use it in reference to anyone that disagrees with the narrative. What's your take on that? What's your definition of bigoted? Uh, Well, my definition of bigoted is harmful views or speech towards protected groups. And protected groups are defined legally, not like just by Twitter. Okay. Like, and there's it goes further than that, of course. But that's a this is that's a short definition that could probably go in. More detail. Is it fair to say that it's used or it can be used as a broad brush term? Uh, for example, all Tories are scumbags. Uh, it depends on the context. Like if you could say like, you could say something along the lines of everyone in the Tory party is bigoted because the Tory party depends on certain bigoted takes to remit, to stay in power. Okay. But of course, not everybody who is in the Tory party could possibly be bigoted. That's not how group, groups work. But exaggeration is a, is a useful part of a language. We say things strongly to imply that it is something we are sure of. And it is something you've done and kind of made a, a podcast career out of as well. I'm not sure I've ever said anything in a sense that is too far. But it is always just overstating in a form of exaggeration that is very normal in language. Like, I'm not quite sure. I I think it's a problem that you see in a lot of discourse that is in response to to left-leaning people, where everything they say will be um, looked at and examined very closely, and it will be like, oh, well, you said all the conspiracy theorists believe in that the moon landing was faked. But not all conspiracy theorists believe that the moon landing was fake. Just some of them do. It's like the, the, the important part wasn't the all. All wasn't the important part of the discussion at all at any point. But it's used as a part of flexible 
English language to emphasize that it's a pre- a very prevalent problem. Right, right, right. And and you see it as the response. The response from people who want to disagree with the leftist take is just to pick out the one word that they can argue against, rather than arguing against like the actual problem, which when it comes to bigotry is the bigotry, not the not the and and the prevalence of it. Right, but right. But not the fact that the leftist person said that a hundred percent of them had to do it. Right. If it's 99, that's still a problem. If it's 70, it's still a problem. And that doesn't mean saying all is the problem. And it will never be a bigger problem than the actual issue that has been discussed. And talking of issues, there are a lot on on today's show talking of, for example, the NHS, strikes, Prince Harry, Andrew Tate, who I believe will be making his first appearance on this show, as well as Brazil, Biden, and we will even talk about the Golden Globes. And it is indeed your least favorite podcast, your least new <laughs> podcast, which has been in existence for <laughs> yeah. over seven that years. Because every seven years, that was when podcasts were invented. <laughs> it was indeed. We were the first. And thank you very much for listening. Let's crack on and talk about the fact that the health service is clinging on. Ironically. For dear life. Yeah. That's maybe not a pun I would use. Actually, that's, yeah. yeah. Actually, never mind. No, you're done. It's bad. It's very bad. Okay, James, this is the news that patients with emergencies such as heart attacks and strokes in England had to wait more than 90 minutes on average for an ambulance in the final month of 2022 yeah this is in the wake of strikes that are continuing across the country and across industry and these figures have been released to reflect that this was twice as bad this uh, 90 minute wait twice as bad as november with record waits for life-threatening cardiac arrests a&e waits over four hours at their highest level ever and now There's stories of actual people whose loved ones have died waiting for ambulances. And the strikes have continued. So we have more on the agenda. It looks like a pay offer, well, the latest pay offer discussion was uh, quickly shut down. And the union said how disappointed they were that it didn't appear like the government actually wanted to reach a deal. And so that's where we're at. It looks like there are more strikes on the table. And the health service is once again being absolutely battered beyond belief, both in England, as the today's story shows, but by the looks of things, it's across the UK. I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, a difficult one. This one, this story here, uh, yeah. we've had now 14 unions who have said they're no longer going to work with the NHS's uh, pay review body. Ambulance crews in England and Wales walked out for a second time uh, this week, and... There are sources at GMB who said that there will be fresh ambulance strikes announced next week with nurses striking for two days next week already. And so there have been, I believe it was actually the, I got a notification from the BBC, the news app last week, which essentially was, yep. hey, what do I do if I uh, if I need an ambulance? Yep. Here are top tips ahead of the ambulance strike. It's actually terrifying. I thought, this is where we're at, where the BBC News app is being used yeah. to tell people what to do because there's a strike right. on. Right, and, and it's mad. It's mad that this is a, the place we're the at. The response that we're getting from government and stuff is just telling everyone to go back to work. <laughs> like, 
negotiations are open, work, just work, okay? And we're, we're, you see the numbers and how bad things have gotten, especially since 2016 in the UK, where uh, excess deaths are crazy high, uh, waiting times are crazy high. Yeah. The NHS is constantly in a state of being overwhelmed when it maybe sometimes used to just be in the worst of the winter months, completely overwhelmed. Um, and this goes from before COVID and it's, it's, it's been ever since the recovery from COVID began. It, we've had a, a leadership problem from the top of the nation whittling the NHS down to something that is completely broken. Yep. And now that all the workers are, instead of quitting, because a lot of them are quitting and the ones that remain are saying, we won't quit, we'll give you one last chance by going on strike to show you how serious this is. Now that all of that's happening, the response is still just the same, where it's just like, nah, we can't afford to do anything. Just just kind of go back to work, please. Yeah, so the, the comments you refer to there is the health secretary, Steve Barkley, who earlier this week on Monday told NHS staff that if they wanted a pay rise, they needed to work harder. Which, which is crazy. Is horrendous. Yeah, that's, I know that's really awful. Enough doctors and nurses to know how exhausted a normal shift makes them, never mind yep. the times where they have to do an extra four hours and they don't get really paid for that. That's just beyond contract. And I, I think that it could make complete sense to me when you see the, the numbers of people who are quitting the industry or moving to other countries to find work instead where they, where they can. And we, and we're, we are in this crisis and it makes complete sense to me that doctors and nurses are either choosing to quit or to strike instead of continue to accept what is being asked of them and the response is work harder <laughs> i don't like how could you be more how could you make it more obvious that you just don't know anybody in the profession right and seriously care about any of them well if that's your response then it's very evident that you clearly are so detached from that industry because if you did know someone who as you've highlighted there worked in healthcare, you'd realise how stretched and stressed everybody is. This is also in the week, though, that Rishi Sunak uh, was refused to be drawn on whether he was registered to a private GP. Did you see this? Yeah. <laughs> he was asked He was asked on Sunday if he had a, a private doctor, if he attended a private uh, general practice. Yeah. And he just dodged the question. He refused to say. And then today, it's taken him four <laughs> days... <laughs> To confirm that actually he is registered with an NHS doctor. Almost as if in that time he he registered or... (laughs) Takes a few days to do the paperwork. Yep, or he realised, well, actually, yeah, I am technically registered with an NHS doctor. P.S. I don't use it. I use the private one. Yeah, phoned their private doctor while they were doing their NHS hours. And was like, hey, do you ever work for the NHS uh, when you're not doing their private hours? And then the doctor was like, yeah, I guess I do. It's like, oh, NHS doctor. (laughs) Because a lot of them do that, and it means the private industry is kind of killing the NHS because some doctors are multitasking a bit too much. It happens. We've talked about this before. It's it's the the end in sight, and at the moment, it is very difficult to see if there is one. I'll come back to that in a second. You mentioned the excess deaths. This is another story I want to talk about. Excess deaths in the UK in 2022 were among the worst in the last 50 years. It's up 9%. On 2019, pre-pandemic, yeah, and of course, as this this very helpful graph shows, uh, some of those deaths are from COVID, but then there are some. other ones which are unrelated. So, 
Yeah. I've looked at all this because I was really interested as to where this was all coming from. And basically, it looks like because there were so many people who were ill or in hospital, affected with COVID, ill with COVID, on ventilators with COVID, that other yeah. illnesses, other diseases were missed or they were pushed back. And or they couldn't be treated effectively. Yeah. And an appointment or a surgery, which would have happened in a world yeah. without a pandemic, happened six months later or didn't happen at all and people died as a result that was my reading of the data the main this is the main thing to take away from excess deaths in the covid period yeah is that even the non-covid ones are probably still somewhat affected by the fact that we're overwhelmed with covid yeah, the, the other stories of the last week, we've also had uh, the head of the Royal College of Emergency Medicine saying the current crisis in, in urgent care could be causing up to 500 deaths a week Yeah, because of the risk of dying, which rises the longer you're left untreated Yeah, with the amount of people now waiting between five and sometimes over 12 hours to be seen. So the solution here, by all accounts, I've listened to a lot of uh, news on this, uh, people within the profession, also clinical medical directors, seems to be that there are people in hospitals who are well enough to go home, or rather well enough to go into care. Yeah. So uh, whether it's like a convalescent home or a care home, and there just isn't the staff or there isn't the resources, isn't the space for them to go. And so they sit in hospitals sometimes for weeks, just waiting to go home yep. or waiting to move on. And they can't. Yep. So to me, this is more than just a crumbling health service and a staff who are flagging. It's it's the aftercare. It's the social care, which has been criminally underfunded for, what, True, yeah. 14 years now of the Tories in charge? Yeah, and of course it is, because it's something that has to be funded. And the Tories don't like doing the whole funding thing. They prefer to do less of that so they can make their rich friends pay less money, and then they're happy. So, like, the NHS is, like, the major example that we can all empathize with, because it's so dramatic when you hear about the stories of the NHS uh, underfunding because it causes things like a uh, 18 hour ambulance wait or it causes things like patients being kept in hallways on spare beds and stuff like that but of course um all the social care that comes before and after hospital visits could help a lot if we had absolutely uh, better drugs programs we could keep more people um from getting uh, admitted to hospitals from drugs issues if we had better social care uh, programs it would help people stay uh, out of hospital because they'd be more well cared for um, and wouldn't reach the point of being in hospital and then once they've been in they'd be able to get back out sooner as you're saying as well there's so many levels to how to keep a nation well funded and the Tories seem to be aiming for none of them and I don't think their policy is going to change yeah I, I fail to see a world in which Rishi Sunak says you know what I've got this wrong all along the nurses, the midwives, the doctors, the junior doctors, everybody involved, radiographers, the whole shebang. Yeah. You guys all deserve more. And I'm sorry. But clap for them, though. Clap for them, though. But it's it's the about turn. We've, we've gone from a world where in the UK you had to applaud the nurses and doctors to a world where... You had to applaud them, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't, you were a bad person. Uh, and also there was nothing else to do. But... Now, it's a world where, no, these nurses, they're just too greedy. They're asking for too much yeah. money oh, for boy. saving your life. How dare they? And that that's the... We, we've seen it with other uh, industries as well. In COVID, 
it was highlighted to us just by the way the country ran, what jobs were vital and what jobs were key. And we should be rewarding those jobs by making them worthwhile monetarily, not just like morally the good thing to do. They should be rewarding jobs that let you raise a family without having to worry about like the bills next week or how to get your food for the day. But most of those jobs are really underpaid. Yeah. But we clap for them, hey. So we like the token we like the token gestures. They're very Tory things to be anti token gesture, except when it suits them and they clap for the nurses but don't pay them. Well talking of unions, the other big story this week in the UK has been the new government legislation which is aimed at enforcing minimum service levels from public sector industries during strikes. And these have then been criticised by unions as undemocratic, unworkable and illegal. So under these plans, some workers would be required to still show up and work during a strike. So I imagine that would be yeah. uh, places like nurses, teachers, fire and rescue, uh, well, currently, security. Currently there is a bill that the Tories promised to make it um, the law for uh, train, train operators. Rail, the rails, the railways. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to broaden that to cover uh, like five other services. It's not going to do any help. Well, it's the fact that... Like, how does that help anyone? Yeah, like, how is, how is this making things better? So we've had the business secretary, Grant Shapps, who had to come out and say, no one is talking about sacking nurses. Nothing we're announcing today right. so then is about getting rid cares? of nurses. Just go on strike and you're not getting sacked. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing. So what's the... If this is the, the bill you want to pursue, what's the punishment? What's the deterrent to, you know, if it's like, oh, okay, we're on strike, guys, but remember, don't all of us go on strike because yep. one of us might well, uh, get a, tu- a tutting from the conservatives. I'm guessing it's like they're just going to take people's money, I guess, is their hope. They can take money from the unions if the unions don't meet the minimum requirements. But the minimum requirements aren't even like described. How can you just say minimum requirements without saying what they would be? What does that mean? What it means for the unions. Does it make striking completely ineffective? Because if it does, then it's just an anti-strike law. If you make strikes just not really do anything except pumps people take take a, a pay cut um, and the service goes on anyway because only some people can can strike at once. It's, not, it's an anti-strike law and they're saying it's not that. But it's also not going to be ending up with nurses getting fired or anything. So... It's either a really ineffective law or a very not good anti-strike law. And yeah, what's the point? Why don't we just do things? If here's one of the lines, I'll try to find it. If if I'm good enough at paraphrasing it, okay, uh, it's basically they're trying to paint this as like a, we would do anything to keep these services good enough for the people of the UK, right? Uh-huh. And therefore, we're we're considering these laws. Like they're saying, this these kinds of laws aren't really ideal, but we do anything to to keep the services going. It's like, well, how about negotiate with the unions? That's doing anything. You could do that one. But, People but like that, that one, and it's not uh, like scummy law, right? But as you said, that's that's against what the Tories stand for. That's conceding to unions is not their thing. Yeah, I'm just saying that their sales pitch is a complete lie because they wouldn't do anything. They would do things that are easy for them to do and not well thought through, but they wouldn't do things like honest negotiations. <laughs> to play devil's advocate, because of course it's the same situation in Scotland where the, the Scottish government have had to deal with these strikes and are dealing with strikes. Yeah. And they're saying, look, we, we ain't a money tree. We've only got so much we can offer you. And that's why some strikes are ongoing. But they are making... They are making offers 
unlike the Tories, who are saying like, no, you got to accept what the random the random people decided to say, that, which was really weirdly low. That two percent number that people said was definitely right. That is obviously wrong. Yep. Like that's not an offer. If you look at the difference between the offers that are being somewhat well received up in Scotland for the different uh, unions, but not not completely convincing them yet compared to what's being offered down south it's it's hugely different it's very it's obvious that the right the government up here is at least trying a little bit harder sorry the parliament up here is trying at least a little bit harder <laughs> um, and while yeah i don't much like the way the smp deals with unions or anything either it's it's a case of like well one side is at least trying and the other side is doing the tory thing and pretending to try mm-hmm. and trying to get the headlines and saying things like they would do whatever, but meaning none of it. But it's also, as we've talked about before, the fact that Labour are yet to put up any sort of, seemingly from what I've seen anyway, <laughs> any sort of support for the unions. It's almost like, do we, well, do we support the unions? I don't know. Do we? I think so. They did say that they would maybe cancel some of the new laws that the Tories are promising. Wow. Good for them. <laughs> One more story then. In Scotland, talking of the strikes there, uh, strikes from teachers are going to go ahead on Monday after the uh, deadline for a new pay offer being made was missed. Uh, This is the EIS, the Educational Institute of Scotland. They said an improved deal was needed Mm -hmm. to prevent this action going ahead. Unions have already rejected a 5% pay increase. They want 10 and the latest offer included rises of up to 7% for the lowest paid staff. Yep. Both the Scottish government and councils have said the 10% rise is unaffordable. So once again, is this then interminable? It's just going to go on and on and on because the two sides are too far apart. I'm not sure they're too far apart. I think like you, the unions do recognise that they have to care most about their lowest paid workers. So I think if there was a deal um, that... Uh, did see a sort of 11-10% rise for some of the people who are earning the least and who are in the most of of a uh, tricky situation and then tapered that off down to whatever at the top. We might see it be more well received. Um, I, I don't quite know the current numbers that are being offered, but it, the union is a democracy, as most are, and as I believe as all are. Um and any of these deals is being voted on, and any of these deals is being discussed. Um, so it isn't just like some uh, some very selfish union boss deciding a thing. This is a bunch of people who are passionate enough about teaching to go through a serious pay decrease for the last decade, and or a huge amounts of stress and uh, worsening conditions for the last decade, um, and still stick through teaching, and therefore clearly show their passion, who are saying, nah, this isn't good enough. Uh, we need more. So I, I I believe them completely. Okay. But I think there is the one thing uh, to remember, the big difference between uh, Scottish negotiations and UK-wide negotiations, but for this purpose, it's mostly just English negotiations, is that the Tories have the most flexibility regarding fiscal policy. Yeah. We have some in Scotland, but if we go too out of line with the rest of the UK... There's a lot of worry that everybody just leaves and moves to where there's lower taxes in England, which is a valid worry. People worry about it. I don't think it's too serious a problem, but obviously the Tories have more ability to generate the wealth that we need as a nation to pay our public servants well, and they should do it. But that doesn't mean the SNP have no tools at their disposal, and they should be using more of them. 
Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Andrew Tate. Now, this is... Oh, he's a bigot. <laughs> this is the social media influencer who, just at the tail end of last year, was arrested in Romania on charges of being part of an organised crime group, human trafficking, uh, sexual assault and rape. His brother was also arrested. A couple of Romanian women were arrested. And the 36-year-old has really hit headlines in mainstream press as a result of all this. Now, to go back even further... The first time that he appeared in the consciousness of many people was just before Christmas when he, I think he tweeted Greta Thunberg about his 33 cars and how he didn't care about him. He was a big gas guzzler and what was she going to do about it? And then she clapped back. It was the saddest tweet. It was, yeah, it was a bit sad. And then she clapped back with a tweet which was insulting his penis size. And, uh, which, it, honestly, I wasn't very impressed with her clapback. Well, People seemed to no. like it, but I was just like, yeah, it's a bit weird. I was like, oh, okay. Old. We've heard that joke a hundred times, but well done, I guess. Yeah, yeah. very much like school school playground uh, insults, fair enough. Yeah, and yeah. However, it. it did very, very well, and that suddenly became like a thing. Greta Thunberg, whoa, who, what did she say to Andrew Tate? Wait, who's this guy? Okay. And then this is all taken off. So... The story, the current story is he applied for, oh, I believe it was some sort of bail that got rejected. So he is being held in Romanian custody until the end of January. Yeah. And um, no, yeah. they've also now had, Romanian police have now searched seven different homes across Romania in order to, in these words, obtain further evidence yes. in the investigation into Mr. Tate. Now, before we go any further, for any of you who are still unsure as to who this this chap is i am almost certain you will have seen a youtube short or a tiktok or instagram reel which has been taken from one of his streams or or one of his videos but it's fair to say that uh well let's say he splits opinion is that no no that's not that's not fair that's like when the bbc has a climate change denier on and treats it like it's a valid opinion Um, (laughs) and and calls it uh, balance yeah that that's the that is the bbc's balance take is that he's a he's a controversial social media influencer i'm trying to quote that is i believe what they called him right when what he actually is is somebody who in his own productions and on other people's shows has quite literally admitted to abusing women he has and teaching other people how to abuse women that's not controversial that's just vile right that's just bad person so when the bbc comes out with like controversial influencer it's like no you could just say someone who admits to crimes and is a criminal and it's fair and balanced because it's just true because like if you even take him out his word it's evil, and you know that he's doing worse behind the scenes because you haven't seen the videos that he's that he's keeping, and you haven't seen all of the manipulations that he's that even he isn't comfortable to say it in public. Okay, but the re- like I remember, I remember I've I've been he's been on my radar a little bit longer because I am a hermit on the internet, an angry person who just cannot stop browsing things that are that are that make me sad. Um, <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> yeah. Um, he bragged about moving to Romania because it's easier to get away with such crimes there. You can pay off yeah. the police and they don't care as much. Like, he says these things. It's on the record. He's ve- he is very open and, about that. Uh, on top of all of that, he's he's scamming his fans. He, he's made a he's made a multi-level marketing scheme just in the, uh-huh. in, in the guise of uh, intellectual sphere, which is what a lot of these right-wingy uh, 
dude bro slash intellectuals do. They just make an MLM. Um, so he, he just doesn't even care about the people who who are funding him. Because of course he doesn't. He's just a selfish guy. Right, right. Um, I hope that he sees his comeuppance. But I'm, I am tired of these fair and balanced takes where he's just like a controversial influencer. The BBC at least should have the guts to say what he actually is. Okay, well, let me... And anyone else reporting on him. Let me take some of that and add to it. There are people that you and I know, James, who... I, I'm not sure. Maybe like Andrew Tate. I don't know if that's respect uh, too strong. I'm yeah. Actually, you know what? Yes, to do. Some people that we know, James, like his stuff. Right. One person in particular says, "Oh no, he's a comedian." No, he's, he's not. not an influencer. He, he's a comedian. He's doing it for the lols. No, he's not. And he's also not doing that. Right. Right. And I, I also would fall on that side. I don't think he's a comedian at all. No. As you've uh, highlighted there, he has proudly described himself as a misogynist. He's used that very word. And has publicly stated why women belong to men or should be thought of as, as property to their husbands. As property, yes. And also, and this is one that really pissed me off, he said that depression isn't real. Yes. Like, he's got such takes as that. Ah. Uh, one of I the ones care. that could have convinced on, me he's a on, comedian. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, go, go, go. I don't care if people think that he's he's doing a bit or he's doing it because he's being ironic in the 2023 and people are so silly that they're falling for these clearly comedic takes. No. I don't care about that because those are some extremely harmful views that hundreds of thousands of young men are now falling in line with to the extent that I have now known of through Graham's uh, female friends at the salon three different men who have then espoused the same horse as yeah. Andrew Tate to these women. And it's absolutely horrendous. So just because you've got the free speech to say these things, including, as you've highlighted there, some even worse stuff, just because you've got the free speech to say that doesn't mean there aren't consequences. And if you are boasting about moving to Romania because it's easier to do some horrendous stuff to women, I think- then... Hmm. Yeah, I do hope that justice is served. Okay, when you look seriously, and I don't, I'm, I am, I am being insulting here, but if you look at someone like Tate and you think, "Haha, it's just a giggle," you are being an idiot, and you're choosing to be because you're ignoring all the warning signs, you're ignoring right, right. all the red flags, just because it makes you feel good. And that's my generous charitable take, and I'm trying to be kind, but it isn't, because it is impossible to treat people who think that he is just funny as good people. At that moment, you are just contributing to the problem. And when you see anybody else who is platforming someone like Tate, profiting off of someone like Tate, and not arguing against him, and not trying to put his views into the, into the, into the light that they should have, which is just how bad they are, that person is equally invalid. For example, someone like Jordan Peterson, who is even now still tweeting things that are trying to paint Tate as like a redeemable character who's maybe just a a little bit misled. That is the small brain take. That is a red flag, not just about Tate, but about Peterson and about his standards or what he thinks is good. And if you can go and see someone like Tate or like going going back, someone someone like Crowder and all the things that Stephen Crowder says on the internet, or all of these groups of people that come and go. Okay, they make their millions and then they maybe get arrested or they maybe disappear. Um, and you can just go, ha ha! It makes me feel 
like I'm the winner and that's good enough for me. They're clearly having a giggle and I feel good about it. And you don't care about all the red flags. You are just being a problem. And you're not going to end up happy because all of Tate's tricks don't work. They just make sad people even more angry and sad. Right, right. Uh, and that's where clearly, as as a lot of people have found in this online space, there is that sad slash angry market who are ready to take the things you say and they see the cigar hanging out the mouth standing in front of 33 Bugattis and think, you know what? I listened to that guy. Yeah, but it's... And that's really yeah sad to see that there is a, so many people who... Whether it's yeah high-profile figures who are backing them up, or just actual young people in this country who are taking some of the really dangerous, the worst stuff that he has said, and just fully believing it. Living and, their sorry, one by final it. point for me: yeah. if I or anyone I knew was arrested in connection with human trafficking and had been accused of some of the horrendous stuff he had, the last thing I'm going to do it on air. is go on social media and be like, yeah, but he's a swell guy. He says he's, some re- he's really cool, actually. Have you listened to the one time that he made me feel really good about stuff? I, I, that's the part I don't understand. On the surface level, there is a validity in a lot of the, the, the stuff. But it, it, the surface level is just that most men do not benefit from the patriarchy. That's it. That's as far as it goes. As far as as the things he said, of course he says a lot more than just some harmful stuff. There's a lot of just common sense stuff. That's what I mean. That's what I mean, though. But because there's just that, there's just, because there's just that one thing of like, well, yeah, a lot of men don't benefit from their patriarchy, and then the men listen to that and they go, oh, okay, and then Tate says the rest of his BS that is completely lies and harmful, and they go, oh, I guess oh, that's also true. Uh, and I, I don't know how you jump from like hearing the one maybe thing that is uh, worth discussing and trying to examine as a society and then just like not critically think about the rest of it as well. I don't get it. Um, but that's why these groups form is because they do have the one overarching truth. It's the same as like conspiracy theorist groups. Like th- there are overarching truths. So like governments aren't really trustworthy. Right. But right. that doesn't mean all the conspiracies are true. <laughs> all of these things where... The, the the thing that that binds them together is, in, in the case of Tate's fans, it's often just uh, misplaced masculinity. They just don't know what to do with because they're told that men are supposed to be successful and have lots of possessions and being a, be in a relationship with someone who's incredibly attractive. Um, and then all of that misplaced masculinity becomes Tate fandom, I guess. And also all these uh, influencers always miss out the gays. It's never, you know... <laughs> it's never women and men are property of men. It's just women. Yeah, why can't men be property of men? Come on. Yeah. Come on, no, equality actually, here. this is horrible. That's like what the Bible says, I guess. Slave, slavery is good, right? As long as you take good care of them, right? Let's move on. Let's talk about Prince Harry. Another person writing things. His memoir, Spare, is now on sale. Despite the fact that I felt like I'd read half the book in the run-up to the release because of... How many leaks there were and copies which had clearly been sneaked to various journalists. And there was a lot of headlines made out of things that were said. However, let me be clear. I have not read the book. James, have you read the book? No. No, didn't think so. I doubt that anybody who listens to the show has read the book. So 
I'm hmm. only going to talk about the things. Have you read the book? Wait, have you read the book? And are you comfortable admitting to us that you read the book? I won't laugh if you right. have, because there are legitimate reasons to read it. It's just none of those reasons interest me. Now, here's the thing. I would genuinely be interested to hear slash read what he has to say, because I do believe that Harry and Meghan have been unfairly targeted by the press. And I do believe that stories were leaked about them. And this... Yeah, blind hatred of Meghan Markle by some people who love the monarchy, and I know a fair few of them <laughs> who just hate Meghan Markle for no reason. I don't really know why. No reason. It's no no reason. Well, just, yeah, hopefully no reason. But like reasons such as you know, she's not British. Okay, okay, <laughs> uh, but also if someone of like a family member said, "Oh, by the way, the press have been haranguing me so much, I thought about killing myself." And then you decide, uh, actually, you know what? I just don't believe that. You're an attention seeker. That's just not true. You know what? Depression, <laughs> not real. <laughs> Dep- yeah, depression, not real. Then, look, this is a mess. This whole thing is a mess. So, that being said, in this book, Prince Harry accused Prince William of physically attacking him, uh, knocking him to the floor, grabbed me by the collar, ripped my necklace, and uh, smashed a dog bowl. <laughs> it's dramatic stuff. Uh, we also then had... <laughs> no, sorry, it's not funny, but ripped my necklace was... Was very Hollywood. That's the kind of thing I would take to my grave if someone ripped my necklace in a fight. I don't think I would tell. I don't know. Some people like having chains. Posh people are called chains necklaces. Four hundred and ten page memoir also revealed that it's like uh, the worst cover ever. (laughs) Prince Harry lost his virginity behind uh, some rural bar. Uh, he was taking all sorts of drugs. He killed 25 Taliban fighters. Is he going to jail for those fighters. drugs? He's admitted it. Is he going to jail? There's no statute of limitations. Yeah. Is it he's yeah. going to jail jail? Like a, like a, like a proper sentence because he's <laughs> dirt scum that needs to be talk, taken off the streets? Yeah, sounds like it. Especially Sorry, I was, that was my Tory impression. I didn't do the right <laughs> accent. Fair enough. The psychedelic type as well. Um, he talked about his panic attacks, unresolved grief for the loss of his mother, yeah, all yeah, sorts valid. of different stuff he holds the press responsible for pursuing diana yeah and uh, mm-hmm. that it would be his life's work to change the media landscape so obviously there's a lot in there that uh yeah you can go and read if you really really want to but any thoughts on this james the whole well, okay. hey everybody here's a netflix six-part series hey everybody here's a podcast hey everybody here's a 400 page I mean, book what else they, they need to make money um like i i don't i i don't like them uh, i don't like either of them uh because there are people of privilege and wealth that aren't really doing too much good with it um just the fact that he's doing something that's a little bit better than keeping a bunch of secrets and not not exposing bad people doesn't mean that he's good all of a sudden um, but no, I'm not going to judge a celebrity for for making money off of their celebrity. That comes with a privilege, and of course they're going to do it. Like I wouldn't do it, but that that's because I'm I would hate it. I, I wouldn't be want to be a celebrity in the first place. But if you are born into privilege, what else are you going to do but write a memoir every decade? You know, he's going to write another one. <laughs> In another 10 years. Oh, I think he's in a four-book deal. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I just predicted that. Like, it's just free money, <laughs> and it's free money both from people who love him and everyone who hates him. Because you know everyone who's hating him is going to read it, and everyone who hates him enough is going to read it and then burn the book and then post burning the book mm. on Twitter or something like that. I bet you people yes. have bought the book and burned it. And guess who made money? Harry. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, that's enough on that. Let's go over to the States. Well, is there, it's and- never quite enough on that, because the royal family needs to be gotten rid of. But well, that's just and not going to happen, if though. If any of these stories, if any of these stories make make any of them be get seen in a more human light that is less deified, then that's a good thing, at least. Well, frankly, from from my perspective, and I again, it's not going to happen. But 
if Harry and Meghan, as much as I do support the things they've said, because it takes a lot of bravery to talk about if you've dealt with suicidal ideation and the amount of harassment they've had, bravo. However, if you want the press to stop harassing you, stop talking. Go, like, no, go they're elsewhere. never going to. That wouldn't happen, though. You know that wouldn't happen. The press well, would follow so them everywhere and it would be And creepier. that's why I caveated it. That's why I yeah. caveated it with, it's not going to happen, but that is what I would attempt yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess one of the other things I have seen is the excerpt where he talked about like his time killing people for an unjust war or whatever. Um, and how he he, re- he described them as removing chess pieces from the board. Removing chess pieces from the board, how he had to literally not think of them as humans. And I'm like, oh, so we're now exposing the problems of the military too, but That's nice. treating it like it's a good thing. Because <laughs> he was. He was acting like it was a good thing. And it's like, no, obviously treating people like you're not humans just because someone's told you they're your enemy. Not a good thing. Yeah, I presume that's that's as you say, it's the, that's the military training for you, isn't it? It is. It's the military training. We got we got serious problems, and how many people come out of the military with good mental health? Hmm. Yeah. Well, exactly. If you're told that the people you're murdering are not men with wives and children, or husbands and children, but you guys, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Kill the baddies. Yeah. Yeah. Joys. Okay. Go over to the states. Kevin McCarthy, after 15 rounds of voting has now been elected as Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. This was the most rounds of voting in something like 140 years. Yeah, so basically, uh, Mr. McCarthy needed 217 votes to uh, take the gavel, which basically allows him... He's like the the guy in the commons who gets the chamber moving and tells everybody, right, we're voting on this. Okay, now we're doing this. Right, now we're doing this. And the House could only move forward once they had voted for a speaker. And he was the favourite. However, yeah, there seems to be some pretty serious divisions in the Republican Party. Who could have seen this coming? Where know, right? various rebels decided not to vote for Mr. McCarthy because apparently... He wasn't being fascist enough. He's Yeah, I was going to say he's not being Republican enough. No. Conservative enough. <laughs> I'm, 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 again, I'm exaggerating your speech. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. So, as you you may have seen this on, on social media, it was quite something. In the 14th vote, he was one vote short... And uh, Matt Gates, who again quite the piece of work, criminal, decided not to vote. Criminal piece of work. Al- yeah, okay, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> you can Google it. Uh, so this then, yeah, it was one vote short. Mr. Gates decided to vote against him, and then yes. they nearly started fighting on the floor yes. of the House of Representatives. People were being gr- like restrained by the face to get them away from each other. So. That's all well and good. Republicans infighting. And I believe, James, I might be wrong here, this was the super hardcore Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert's QAnon crew who went back to the Hmm. January 6th riot where Mr. McCarthy was, you know, level-headed and said, Donald Trump, you need to get these people to leave, do something, say something, and then supported the censure of the president, not quite the impeachment, but said, look, we need to tell him off. <laughs> and they've gone back to that. And despite the fact that Mr. Trump has since supported uh, Kevin McCarthy, they said, you clearly aren't fas- Republican enough. <laughs> so too bad. We ain't voting for you. And it took 15 votes to finally make it happen. One addendum. 
I can't quite remember. One of the people that you'd expect to have been in this Freedom Caucus uh, isn't isn't wasn't in there. I can't remember who. I I just don't want to because it might have been Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay, maybe I was I unfair in in uh, chucking her in there. One person who wasn't voting against McCarthy, who the internet thought was voting against him, because of course, but actually they weren't. And I can't remember who it was right now, but it's worth looking at the list because there is one suspicious name missing. Um, but that's just like a minor addendum. So yeah, the, like <laughs> okay, this is the, the longest it's taken to get a speaker since the Civil War or whatever. I don't know. Eighteen sixty. Yes, I ended War. up voting for the guy uh, after he made some concessions to the freedom. Uh, caucus, um, but no, they voted for a guy who who was so inept that he admitted that the the Benghazi investigation was politically motivated. He is a climate change denier still. Yep, and um, he's voting against he voted against codifying the legality of same sex marriage recently. Um, so he's just great, clearly Republican enough. <laughs> you know, obviously he's very Republican. So the fact that he wasn't Republican enough for some other people is troubling. Um. <laughs> There was some some air of irony about the Republicans uh, finally learning what it's like to be uh, under the influence of uh, a minority uh, who had control over them. Because the Republicans' whole thing for forever has been, uh, while in minority, making it really difficult for the Democrats to do anything. Yeah, and now they've yeah. kind of received that a wee bit. They had a little subset minority in their group, making it hard for them to do a thing. Indeed. I hope they learned some lessons, but I doubt they did. Yep. Um, but no, overall, it was just like embarrassing for McCarthy and for everyone. Well, um, and they all wasted their time. Briefly, because time is short, I will be very interested to see once the presidential uh, cycle starts up again, because Ron DeSantis, I am convinced, is going to win it. Who is not into the QAnon MAGA world even half as strongly as Trump. He seems much more, and he seems to be aware, smart man, that leading into that stuff is bad for the world. Yeah. And sure, he might still be a Republican and hardcore conservative, but it's not Trump. Well, yeah. So I am He's interested a, to yeah. see that when that comes around, if this, was it the Freedom Caucus they were calling themselves? Yeah. Where they go? Because surely the only way for the Republicans to win, especially if Trump decides to go independent, is they all have to throw their weight behind DeSantis. They would, yeah. Now, I think... I think DeSantis is pretty heavy into a whole bunch of very bad things, uh, takes and opinions, and is a harmful person to lead anything. He is not Trump. That's uh, what yeah, I'm stating, though. Yeah, so he's not he's not Trump, and he's not a very gullible person who you can who you can force to be well, not force to be who you can encourage to be a fascist from behind the scenes. Uh, maybe, but maybe he is. We'll find out someday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, like there is a potential for a split in the Republican voter base and the Republican Party itself. Um, I hope they do split because ultimately it would weaken them, of course. Um, and if if there is any good, in quotes, left in Republicans, um, they should remove the people who are just very outrightly fascist okay. from their party. Not going to happen, It though. shouldn't be okay to have those takes, and you shouldn't tolerate them in a political party. And you shouldn't work with parties who have those takes, and all of that stuff. Yeah, okay. But no, Let's stick they, with they, the... Don't, they don't have integrity. <laughs> Indeed. Let's stick with the states. President Joe Biden is in trouble because the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland 
has appointed a special counsel to investigate how the president handled classified documents because there have now been two cases where classified files were found at his home yeah. and at an office he used whilst he was vice president to Obama. So the news today was that classified files were found in his garage next to a sports mm. car. And in his words, yeah, not sitting out, out in the, the street. street. <laughs> oh, that makes it so much so better. So much better. And he said, people know I take classified material seriously. Uh-huh. That's why it was in a garage next to a yeah, Corvette. I wouldn't leave them on the street. Yeah. I would leave them in a in a garage, which is classically very secure. So this is uh, documents from between 2009 to 2017. And really awkward because, of course, the investigation Trump into Trump's own mishandling of classified files is still ongoing so yeah bad times for biden yeah let me be the really um, boring centrist here uh (laughs) both sides this for a second i do think we have to recognize that there is a difference in magnitude between trump hiding documents and not uh, cooperating with investigations and then Biden just being old and senile hopefully uh, losing documents okay. but then when they are found cooperating with investigations and I think that in Biden's case it's probably enough of a reason to not run for president again oh for sure being proven to be somebody clumsy enough to leave, leave classified documents here and there uh, but that would also hopefully mean that Trump having done far worse is also excluded <laughs> you know biden thank you for your sacrifice i hope you get fired <laughs> because then it's it puts in concrete that trump's not good enough either oh, well that's the thing if the republicans i, I just love it though I, I don't leave him on the street i mean i take this seriously <laughs> uh-huh yeah it's um it's grim if, if if republicans though are saying look biden's got to go or we've got to impeach him yeah, for doing yeah, this yeah, then yeah, yeah, it yeah. does mean that they're also having to say the same of their own former president so yeah in, you're right in a way if they were smart they'd do in, it. in a way he is he's done a, he's done everyone a solid so thanks joe yeah on his way out on his Indeed. way out, he's done us all a solid but no yeah like obviously it's a big problem and i do also think the other both sides of the argument is i think there's different levels of classification here i think his are marked as like basic classified and then trump's are marked as like secret and top secret which i think are the next levels okay it sounds like they're on the next level we will find out one last story before we move on to lighter stuff and talking of january 6th we had a january 8th in Brazil. We did. So on Sunday... I said that really excitedly. It was more just because, like, what on earth? Yeah. So on Sunday, several thousand people stormed the presidential palace in Brazil. And like Congress or something, yeah. Just six weeks after uh, the new president, Lula, or to give him his full uh, title, Luiz Inácio da Silva, uh, Lula da Silva, um, was elected just at the tail end of last year. Yes. And then on January 8th, Sunday, thousands stormed the palace, and now 1,500 have been arrested. So for several hours, they had control of, well, I mean, essentially the seat of power in the South American country. And now the news today is is that Lula has accused the former president, Jair Bolsonaro, who's in Florida, uh, (laughs) of essentially inciting this attack and has accused his allies of letting people inside. Yes. Allowing rioters to enter key 
state buildings. Lula has also vowed to carry out a thorough screening of employees in the presidential palace in the wake of this attempted insurrection. So long story short, in Brazil, they attempted to do the same thing that they did in January 6th in the States, which was overturn the election. When you look at like some of the people who are advising Bolsonaro in this like uh, election cycle, you might see some names that were also working for the the whole Trump regime. And you might realize, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. they're going to keep trying this until they figure out how to make it actually work. Uh, because there are some overlaps in the, in the, in the interests here. And they got to get stopped before they fight they try it in the next country. I mean we are running we are running yeah. low on Trump like figures. It was mostly just Trump and Bolsonaro and hopefully that'll be it. But it, it and, this and one Hungary. was funnier to me and yeah, yeah, true. We got a couple over here in Europe. Um at uh, Erdogan in, in Turkey and whatchamacallum in, in yep. Hungary. What's his name? Orban, Victor Orban. Orban, Victor Orban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we could see who's in, in in Europe along these lines. So we got to we we do rely on places like America and Brazil to show that it is completely worthless, that the, the democracy is holding up, and that it is always going to matter more than a few thousand people storming a room. Um, I I think. I think clearly they've refined it a little bit because they didn't need the big boy on site to instigate this one. He was away eating KFC um, while this was going down. Yep. Um, and hopefully he remains far away forever. And if he ever returns to Brazil, just like, you know, they've already finished their trial and he's yeah. ready to be locked up. <laughs> well, you, as I mentioned, there are 1,500 people have been arrested. There are warrants issued for a host of senior officials within the presidential palace, uh, accused of being responsible for acts and omissions that led to the riots. Yeah. And attention is now turning to the military, who are widely perceived as being so full yeah. of uh, Bolsonaro, Bolsonaristas. That's Bolsonaristas? It. Ooh. Difficult to say. Um, but yeah, these are basically supporters of the ex-president who may have, you know, led a, a, a blind eye. Let a blind eye? That's well, it's, not... It's what, yeah. Turned a blind eye, that's it, to the protesters who turned up on Sunday. Yeah, it's what you'd expect, though. Like, the people in power who like having power like the guy who gave them the most of it, and the people who like wealth like the person who gives them the most of that. So there's obviously going to be ardent supporters in the upper echelons for, of, of power and wealth. Same as you saw in America, and the same as you see in other countries with figureheads of uh, regimes that are aiming to be authoritarian. But good luck, Lula. Yeah. He's, he's had trouble before. Hopefully we support him this time. The CIA might do another coup. Which I... Oh, boy. They've not... Yeah. They've not got the best rep. Mm. Okay, James, let's finish up with what we've been watching. I have lots of things, so I'm going to keep it really, really short. Oh, I got two things. I can add another one to the list. Okay. Well, let's start with uh, a show that I watched on a, with a very quiet volume from far away whilst I was getting the tattoo done. It's Rick and Morty Season 5. Did you, you, to turn on the subtitles for well, you watched, I guess you, did, you could watch all of it, yeah. It's a long tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah watched the entire season, um, mainly to distract me from the needles being stuck in my arm. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was fine. It was Rick and Morty. It was trying to tell some sort of narrative story towards the okay. end okay. of of Rick again like trying to be a good guy usual stuff and it turns out nope he's always terrible to Morty and now Morty has to make a decision 
it was it was fine. I think it is less inspired than it was in the early seasons, mm-hmm. but I get that after having done a show for so long, you're going to run out of ideas. And if you don't have a strong narrative thread, it's very difficult to make a really engaging yeah. show because this is still I mean, largely this. an episodic TV show. Yeah, we say this, but it's always Sunny keeps being pretty great. That's true. It has evolved since its earliest seasons, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But they've proved that long form doesn't have to go the Simpsons route and get really bad after season five, you know? That is true. Okay, yeah. uh, we've also watched the three latest Mission Impossible movies. So that is four, five, and six, uh, because we decided to skip the first three because they're old and weren't very good. What? So these are... Oh, you got to rewatch the second one. It's stylish. It's stylish. Okay, it's stylish. Okay. It's, it's not a good film, but it's got it's style. Stylish. It's got style. My main takeaway is that Tom Cruise is an absolute madman. Some of the stunts that he does, and he, he does them, the camera makes sure to, to get them, some of the things he does are absolutely insane, and how he is still alive to this mm-hmm. day yeah. shocks me. Now, I, I can see with some of the stunts, for example, uh, Ghost Protocol, which I believe is the fifth one. Oh, no, sorry, it's uh, Rogue, Nation. Rogue Nation. I don't know. Anyway, MI5. He starts that movie the plane one? by clinging onto the side of a plane. Yeah. Now, I am sure the safety crew will have had some sort of way to attach him to the Aye. plane so he literally oh, couldn't he was fly strapped, off. Yeah. yeah, he was but strapped, yeah. But still... He did hold on. <laughs> it's that's just the like one. That's the halo jump Wait, where he stops see, three feet from the from the cameraman, and it's all like a behind the scenes thing of this. And the guy is credit to him. He must be what sixty odd or nearly sixty. He's old. He's old, and he is still flinging himself over buildings. He's done and several takes of these stunts. Yeah, absolutely. He's, do, he's still doing his motorbike stunts and stuff. Yep. I but I will say that that first one where he's clinging on the plane, it was so real that it made me not like it. <laughs> it was too real. I was watching it and it, he just looked bad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this isn't a film. This is a guy doing a stunt. <laughs> okay. I uh, Yeah, fair enough. Okay, take that point. Anyway, overall thoughts, I think these movies, despite being very long, are yeah. excellent. They are really they are. excellent action movies. And Henry Cavill in the most recent uh, Mission Impossible 6 is... Oh, is he in that one too? He's only in one. He is... Oh, is he in that one? Uh, I like Wait, is him. that the one where he reloads his arms? He reloads his arms in that movie, yes. I like him very much that was the, in that, that film. Was for the sixth one? It feels like so long ago. It does, yeah. But seven and eight are coming out in the next uh, two summers. Wow. There we go. I think that's the end of, of uh, Mission Impossible at the end of, uh, of the next next year. Tom Cruise is so committed he's going to die for the final scene. <laughs> and he'll finally escape the clutches of Scientology. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. A big fans big he fans is, of those. Watch is, him. By the way, he is the clutches of Scientology. I was a funny joke, but he's a bad person. Okay. James, what have you watched? I've got one more movie to talk about in a second. Until proven otherwise. I watched an anime. I'm surprised. Called Mob Psycho One Hundred. We've talked about it twice before because yep. I've watched Good title. One, seasons one and two. And this was season three, the last season. No. And the last season not because it got cut or came to an end because they couldn't fudge it anymore but the actual planned last season and let me tell you i loved it why it was one of my favorite shows and animes of the year uh, because it didn't try too hard to one-up itself from the previous season which i thought it had to do i thought it had to one-up itself and make an even bigger story and an even more massive disaster 
But the final season of the show spent a long time dealing with the aftermath of the big second season and then letting the characters develop and then letting the main character arc actually have a few episodes off screen to close out the show. And that was it. They resolved the main character arc and it was a big a big thing. And it, but it wasn't a big thing because the world's in danger or there's an evil society trying to take over everything. It was just a big character moment. And a lot of bad things, a lot of things got destroyed and there was a lot of destruction and damage because it's a show called Mob Psycho 100. Uh, of course, there was action, but it was character driven and they resolved it in non-cliche ways. Love that. And, and it was great. Um, it was very anime, of course. You kind of have to like anime to like a show like this because it's a bit self-referential. It kind of references the medium a bit and you have to have an understanding of what to expect to have your expectations subverted and things like that. Um, but yeah, it didn't like just give everybody the magical happy ending. It also didn't give everybody the horribly depressing ending. It was just a little bit nuanced and it kind of treated even minor characters with respect and it gave everyone... Uh, that you cared about and one last chance to shine in the last few episodes and it couldn't it couldn't have gone better there was a few moments where i got the proper chills from the from the from even like they played a a song at one point and it was like such it was very much the right song and it gave me the chills very good anime overall it's only three seasons you could any anyone could finish that one is it the kind of show which which would have benefited from other uh, or like a one more season or like a nope no they they knew what they were aiming for and they did it. Fair enough. I, I, that's that's my favorite kind of show where they have their goals in in mind and they achieve them and they don't just after they're successful for a couple of seasons go oh maybe we could do this for an extra like three or four make some side plots to kind of draw it out. You can always tell as the audience when a show is doing that. You can always tell. And okay, I I, I will always prefer a show that just tells the story it needed to and and that in, in, intended to and tells that story well. Fair enough. Okay, let me tell you about the final movie that I have seen. It is Knives Out Glass Onion, which is the ah, sequel. Ah, yes, a very good title. To the original, I think it was the 2019 Who Done It, which yeah. was and is one of my favorite movies because of the ensemble cast, the writing, the story, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's film. and even Daniel Craig's accent. I love it. So yeah. this is the much-anticipated sequel. Netflix, I believe, bought the rights to the next three from the mind of yeah. Ryan Johnson. And they insisted that the film had to have the words Knives Out in the title. I, I believe it was Glass Onion, A Knives Out Story, I, I think is the, uh, yeah. the, the, the film. Yeah, the actual one, yeah. And so this is, uh, yes, Daniel Craig reprising his role as Benoit Blanc, the southern drawled detective getting drawn into yeah. another whodunit murder mystery with everyone from Dave yeah. Batista to Edward Norton and Janelle Monet, who is, is phenomenal uh, in this movie. Lots of other fa- uh, famous people. Catherine Han and, uh, yeah, uh, who's who of A-listers. So, right. I enjoyed the movie. I think it's a, it's a step below and, like, a, a good step. Let's say it's a big staircase. It's like a pretty... <laughs> Solid step down, not just like a wee baby an step. Old, an old stairs. They wouldn't pass regulations these days. Absolutely. Too so steep. like an old staircase step below okay. the original film. But once again, oh, yeah, it is difficult to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Yeah. And I do believe that generally it does all the things I wanted to do. Wanted it to do. I had a okay. a good plot which I didn't really see where it was going, so credit to them for that. Mm-hmm. 
the performances are basically all great. There's a little bit of... Mm, I'm unsure I like that directorial choice. If you know the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's a, a choice in how the movie is structured. Okay. And I thought it was a little bit cheeky. It, it okay. does kind of play with the audience to be like, haha, you think you saw what you saw, but actually you didn't. Here are some bonus scenes. And it and it goes and, and kind of retraces its steps in a oh, way. Oh, so, I can see why they did that, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Because the first so it, film it's clever. didn't do that, but it used a similar nope. device. Yeah. So when with the original, when it retraced its steps, it would show you from like a different perspective or a different character. Yeah. Whereas this one was kind or of just like a little extra it, context because they went into the right. Room so instead of like hearing. So Glass something. Onion did that as well, but it was different. And I would okay. uh, urge you if you if you do like a Who Done It and you do have Netflix to watch it, see what you think. I'll have to watch it. I did enjoy it, but I yeah. can see why for some people who didn't really like the fact that the uh, perhaps the wool was pulled a little too firmly, uh, they right. were a bit uh, they felt robbed of okay. you know why did I watch that full first half if that was the outcome? So okay, I can see why people would uh, find that frustrating. I thought it was okay, but overall enjoyed it a lot. Probably wouldn't watch it again. I would definitely watch the original again because I love the original. Okay, and so, okay. I get, I get. Are here's to more of these movies because I do enjoy them. They're like good, fun popcorn movies. Yeah, yeah, bit yeah, long, yeah. Famous people, good writing. Everyone loves a Who Done It. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they, they they make it a good complete set, and they don't just drag it out to infinity. And it turns out that Ryan Johnson always has his pal Joseph Gordon-Levitt appear in his movies in some way, shape, or form. And it's usually through a voiceover. Yeah. And uh, in this movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays uh, a character, or well, he plays a voice that says Dong. Oh. Yeah. Good cameo. There's, in this movie, when you watch it, there is a voice throughout the film which says Dong, and that is uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's, that's, that's big Josie. Yeah. I wonder what he's doing. I think he tried to make his own like TV production company or something. I'm not sure how that's going. Oh, uh, so he did. I uh, funded a lot of indie projects and stuff. Fun fact, I think that uh, when I was maybe 10 or 11, and he starred in Treasure Planet oh, as an animation. Treasure Planet. I think I fancied the character that he was playing. Understandable. I need to look that up, but I was pretty much... I remember watching it in Stornoway. Yeah. In, like, wherever you were hosting the cinema on those days, just used a big, giant projector. And, um... Feeling very strange. Man, Treasure Planet and like whatever the Atlantis one was, those are tragic film releases because the films are so much better than their uh, their box office implies. I, I imagine it would be how like some some other boys would have felt when they saw Jasmine and Aladdin for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the, like, hubba hubba. I mean, those the characters are designed to be likable and attractive to the widest audience possible, right? It's all the Jim films. Hawkins. Jim Hawkins, yeah. I wanted I wanted to be his friend. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I I love that film. They had a plan for a second one and they, they just never got the funding. Ah, oh well. And it looks like a second one would have been really good. I'm sure it would have been. Anyway, dear listener, if you have watched a movie, TV show, perhaps you also had a Disney character crush, let us know. Was it Nala? Cecil Parade at gmail.com, Cecil Parade on Twitter. I watched the film. Uh, did you? Yeah, I did. I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, this is the Nicolas Cage send-up. Nicolas Nicolas Plage playing Nicolas Plage, yes. (laughs) Love it. I watched the Nick Cage, Nick Cage film where he he, uh, gets gets paid to go visit some rich person for 
their birthday party. And right, also- I missed this in the cinemas. What was it like? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I loved it. Oh, I'm relieved. Good. I'm gonna go watch it. I think secretly, it's it's not gonna be as as well received as it should be. I think, um, and I think they I think they know why, and they wrote the reason why into the film. Um, because it doesn't. It, the film is a bit meta. It has to be because it's Nicolas okay. Cage playing Nicolas Cage, um, and I think most of the times they did the meta stuff, it was it was obvious because of course you're you're very hyper aware that this film's gonna be meta, so you notice it every time they try to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not taking points off them if I notice the meta stuff. I think most of the times they did it, it landed very well, and I liked the experience. Then some of the times I was just like, oh, that's a bit cheap. Um, but overall, it's just, the film okay. is written adequately, as you'd expect it to be. It's got really good shots. It's directed as well as you might expect it to be, but it is carried by the performances, which is what you want from this film. Yep. And, uh, and, you, and it's very cheesy. It's got too much cliche and all of those things but you knew or you know that that's what you're getting from a film with this title starring Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage so as far as the intent of the people who made this it's like a 10 they delivered what they promised exactly but depending on what you like in films it might not be what you like as a film is it for people who only who only really know slash like Nick Cage no no I think uh, knowing Nick Cage and having seen his previous films adds an adds a level to enjoyment where they're like they reference one of his films or they reference an interview he did or they reference a character trait that his public persona has and you're like oh Nick Cage but it, I don't think it's a necessary thing in the film you just have to understand even if you didn't know Nick Cage you're watching somebody being a celebrity out of their depth in the film but it's just played okay, by that same enough. celebrity. <laughs> with the film <laughs> okay well fair enough right let's move on time is short so let's talk about the golden globes big award ceremony which uh, for many years has really struggled with uh, its image but for this year people seem to be okay with it and i want to talk about it mainly for the winners i'm going to keep it short the banshees of inishirin as predicted on this show a few months ago did very well okay it won a uh, best motion picture in musical or comedy and it, there were also wins for Colin Farrell as Best Actor oh. and uh, Martin McDonough for Best Screenplay. So I suspect The Banshees of Anna Sharon will do very well come Oscar time. And okay. if you recall my review, if you get a chance to watch it, it will make you very sad. You'll laugh a few times, but then you'll finish and think, oh, well, that was depressing. So <laughs> comedy, great performances, great writing, but oh, grim. Movie that has still stayed with me to this day. Okay. Uh, Best Director Steven Spielberg won for The Fablemans, which is like a biopic of oh. how he got into movies, except it's anonymized, which is odd. But hey-ho, he won for that. Uh, okay. And the film won... Um, Apparently as well directed. It won the Best Overall Picture. Oh. And the last one to talk about oh, is... Oh. Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is... Yeah! I was so pleased that this movie won awards. Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress, and in one of the best speeches you will ever see, Kei-Hee Kwan won Best Supporting Actor. Now, this was the... um, I would urge you to go and look it up. It's on Twitter. The short version's on YouTube, but Twitter's got the long one. It's only two and a half minutes. But he talks about how he was a child actor in Indiana Jones like 30 years ago. 
Yeah. Probably longer. And he thought You'll remember that that was all he was ever going to be. And then mm-hmm. this movie happened. And it's such a lovely speech. So do go and watch that. I'm so pleased that movie did well. And I really hope that this is yeah. uh, a sign of things to come Oscar-wise. Because, my goodness, it's genuinely one of my favourite films of all time. I love I mean, it. Yeah, go like, watch his it. His career is super interesting as somebody did a little bit of child acting, like two films or something, and then could never get another role for a while. Quit acting, just like went into film. He did. He did. He worked in productions and stuff, but never did acting again. Now he's now he's back, and he's apparently getting scouted for all sorts of things now. So who knows? Like he's in. Uh, he's going to be in the new Loki season. Exactly. So very interesting career, and it's, it's he just seems like such a charming person, which is nice to see come out of child acting because that's a tough career to turn out well from. Absolutely. Especially from his generation. Okay, two more things to talk about. They're both trailers. The first one I want to watch is Bo is Afraid. Yeah. And again, listener, if you've made it this far, go on YouTube and type up Bo is Afraid. And this is Bo, like the French spelling. Yep. Bo is Afraid. B-E-A-U. And watch the trailer and then come back. Here's a clip. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Hi, Carrot. It's Mom. I'm just calling to say that I'm so, so, so excited to see you tomorrow. You're my angel, and I love you. Okay. I love you. Okay, bye, sweetie. I love you. Are you at the airport? I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? What do you think I should do? I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. My goodness, this is uh, from the director of Hereditary and Midsummer, those mm-hmm. highly acclaimed A24 horror movies, and the director... A24. Ari Aster. A24, best production house in the game. And here looks like another example of that, because it's Joaquin Phoenix, and it's Ari Aster just doing weird stuff. Just weird. That looks very funny, very scary, and I have no idea what's really going on. No, it, it looks, of, of course it does, but it looks just disturbing. <laughs> and, like, it's yep. based on, like, the trailers for his, the previous films. Like, this won't even be the full reveal. It will be so much more than this. So, <laughs> I don't know what to expect, but this this convinced me that A24 is still doing the right thing. <laughs> No, for sure, and I'm. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. They've got such a good record. I think they must really. They must do what Marvel did with their first end of the end game and all that stuff. Work so hard on it that they were like, "Yes, this is good. We've gone through every single thing: the script, the cast, the shots, the yeah. beats, the humor." And even somehow they're though, doing extra effort. Yeah, right. And and even though they, it was a monumental task, they somehow managed to to make it. And then they made it, and they just collapsed and thought, "Actually, you know what? We don't need to care about the rest." And that's why now everything can just like cash everything in yeah it has been so subpar so <laughs> speaking of cashing in i did finish she hulk but i can talk about that next week okay say so yeah save it for, <laughs> for next week um and we are going to talk about one more trailer in just a second from um uh, speak of the devil marvel so yes yeah i like this trailer a lot looking forward to it Joaquin phoenix he's 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 uh he's back I, I say this but he's been back for a while but like he keeps doing these nice weird projects and I like it when actors kind of do the weird projects I can't remember the name of the movie but I saw a film with Joaquin Phoenix years ago it was directed by Lynn I was going to say Lynn Murdoch that's not right she's a Scottish director who has only really done small indie films it's a 90 minute film with Joaquin Phoenix who plays a like a uh, assassin 
looking after a little girl. And my goodness, he should have won all the awards for that, and he didn't. So, all right, okay. I'm, you know what? I'm going to look it up right now as we talk about the last trailer of the show. It's Quantum Mania, the Ant Man three. I've completely movie. forgotten what this trailer was like. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> right here's a clip. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter, but you've lost a lot of time. Like me. We can help each other with that. James, I hated this trailer. Can you guess why? Because it showed the whole film? Yes! <laughs> the entire movie in three minutes. She's like, yeah, there no, it is. keep doing this? Man, I want to like the Ant-Man films. Cause so do I, because I like Paul Rudd. I love the, I love the concept of the character. Paul Rudd seems pretty decent. So I want to like the Ant-Man films, but this looks so underwhelming. And it feels like so many of the films that the Marvel are doing are just films that are designed just to set something up or they're designed to be completely self-contained and there's no middle ground. Yep. So I'm just never excited about them at this point. It's just kind of like, this is either going to be a self-contained story that pretends it's got universe ending stakes but that's not how you, that is not a compelling self-contained story for me universe ending is not a one film thing mm-hmm. or it's a just a completely meaningless film that is just feeding other films next main bad guy or main villain or whatever right and it just looked like another marvel film where they are having to do every single set in full cg but not very well paid <laughs> cg so you can kind of tell they've put a little blur filter over everything to make it harder okay. to see the mistakes yep uh, it's didn't look done and to take it a step further i hate trailers that show you the entire movie but this and i mean this showed you the entire movie start to finish i hope it did it's it. the same hope every time marvel do this where i hope they haven't shown the whole film i hope they've just shown the first half an hour and then secretly the rest of the film is very <laughs> nope, different no way i'd really want that to be the case uh. but the thing is the fun thing is I will just not watch this until it's out on Disney uh, yep. and I can watch it on my PC. And by then, I will have seen the reviews and it will set my expectations so low because everyone is so salty and angry these days that I will actually enjoy the film okay. because it will be way better than the average review. Fair enough. And to uh, avoid leaving you all hanging, the film I was talking about with Joaquin Phoenix as a uh, contract killer is called You Were Never Really Here by Lynn oh. Ramsey. It may well be on Amazon Prime. I thought it's only like, it's 90 minutes long on the dot. I thought it was great. And I would urge you, if you want to see a Joaquin Phoenix film where he plays a weird character, that's the movie for you. You were never really here. Okay, and I'm sure that would be much better I than Quantum Mania. I remember it. Yeah, it would be. Uh, okay, James, we're at the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for being here back in 2023. Yeah. For, for more. What's your definition of bigotry? <laughs> that is an excellent question uh, for the dictionary. Okay, on that note, let's end the show. Time is up. Thank you for listening. See you soon. See you next time. Bye. Bye.